everyone wants to make the most of their life. Pastor and teacher Dr. Bill Galarakis of Columbia Road Baptist Church guides us into that focused and meaningful Christian life that will make a difference today and for eternity. Get ready for our next episode of Changing Lives, Changing Eternities. Here's Pastor Bill. As a pastor, as a Christian, I want to help people change for the better. And I know that Christ is truly the one who changes us from the inside out. But the behavior of other believers around us can help or hinder that process. I want to be a help, and I bet that you do too. And I'm going to share with you exactly how to do that today. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Let me read that to you again. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. When it comes to impacting others, to helping other people change for the better, all we practically have is prayer and influence. And today, I want to talk to you about influence. Do you have influence with the people that are around you? What is influence, and what does it look like? You may have an important truth that you want to speak into someone's life. The Bible says that we should speak the truth in love. And there are many people that we probably know that need to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and they currently don't. Or maybe they are a believer, and they're going through a very difficult season. And we see them making choices that are going to lead them in a bad direction. Or we know that they want to change, they want to grow, and we want to help them in that area. Or maybe they don't want to grow and change, but God has put it on our, put it on our heart to speak with them about it. If you have that truth to speak, maybe to a wife or a husband, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a parent, a son or a daughter, a friend, a coworker, a classmate, whoever it is, the question is this, whether they'll actually listen to us. And that will depend whether or not we have influence with them. What does it look like to encourage change in someone's life when we don't have influence with them? Well, you speak what it is you need to tell them, but it goes in one ear and out the other. Or it looks like a person nodding along, seeming to agree with us, and then after they get out of the conversation, they go and they do what they want anyway, regardless of what we said. Or if we don't have influence, it can turn into an argument where they don't even listen to hear what you're saying. In fact, they're just waiting to respond. They're not genuinely hearing you. Or it can just take forever to get through to them. It's what it looks like when we don't have influence with them. But what does it look like if you and I do have influence with them and we're trying to encourage them to change? Well, people will genuinely listen to you. And if they don't agree with you, they'll give you the benefit of the doubt because you've made an impact in their life through your words, through your actions. You've cultivated a relationship with them and they'll process what you've said. If you have influence with somebody, you can say things that might be hard for them to hear. You know, whenever we do have something hard to say to somebody, I hope that you've made deposits before you try and make that withdrawal. You know, the positive affirmation, the building up, that edifying word that we saw in Ephesians 4.29, the building up of other people with our words, that's like putting a deposit into a bank account. 
And when the day comes that we need to correct or we need to encourage or admonish somebody, if we haven't put those things in, they will start to resent us and we will not have the influence to encourage them to change. I want you to imagine that you're pouring water from a pitcher into a two-liter bottle that's typically used for soda. Now it has a pretty narrow opening in that bottle, right? But let's say you have a funnel. And so again, you're pouring water from a pitcher into a two-liter bottle, but you've got a funnel. And the wider the funnel, the more water that will end up in the right place. The smaller the funnel, the more the water will spill out or go nowhere or it's just going to take forever. That funnel is our influence. A man had influence with me because of how he spoke to me, how he spoke to others, and how he conducted himself. And his life was one of the chief tools that God used to draw me to Christ. He built me up, and I knew that he was for me. He was welcoming, he was knowledgeable, he was pleasant, he took care of himself, he looked nice. And you say, well, that shouldn't really matter. But until we know a person's heart, all we can see is really the outside and the words that they speak to us. And it makes a lasting impact if somebody knows that you care about them and then you speak to them. That old adage says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, is exactly the idea of influence. And you may have much truth. You may know something very well. You may know lots about the Bible and not have any influence with the person. And if that's so, you're going to see very little change in that person's life. You know, this Bible verse, it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. It's talking about uh, rotten things. You know, our words come out so easily when we choose to tear down or to criticize. They come out very easily in those moments. In fact, we hardly even notice it. That seems to be the default method of speaking for a lot of people is just to criticize, to tear things down, to talk about what hasn't been done right, what they're, they're not achieving, as opposed to edifying. And this verse here in the book of Ephesians tells us uh, we should be using our words for the good of edifying. That means to build people up. We need to be building people up with our words. And when we do that, we are building influence with them. You say, are we just manipulating them? No, we genuinely care about people. That's why we're edifying them. Let's say, for example, that maybe in your church or, or maybe outside of your church in the community, you teach a Bible study. How much influence do you have with the people in your class? If you've not built that relationship, if you haven't taken time with your words to build that person up, you may not be able to minister much grace unto your hearers. But if you do take the time to do that, you'll find that even if you're not the most eloquent teacher, even if you don't know that much about the Bible— What little you do know will go right to the heart of the matter if that person sees that you genuinely care about them and that you have taken the time to get to know them. And it can be little things. You don't have to gush and write poetry about every person you want to influence. Uh, That would probably scare people away. But influence is important if you want to lead others to God or you want to lead a group of people in God's work. Imagine a person that knows a lot about the Bible, but they're unkind with their words. They're abrasive, they're cutting, they're sarcastic, they're passive-aggressive. I had this experience once. I was studying, and I was commuting for that out of the state and at this this Bible college where I went. And so I went to a church that was nearby for Sunday school and things while I was there. 
And it was over a summer. And I ended up in one of the professors at the college. He went to a local church, and I ended up in his Sunday school class. And that man knew so much about doctrine and theology. He was so wise, but he was also very uh, arrogant. He was very arrogant. He knew that he knew more than everybody else. And he wanted everyone else to know that he knew more than everybody else. And so he would sort of show off and he would try and trick people into making wrong comments and being sarcastic. He made no lasting impact on my life, though he knew probably more Bible than most people I've ever met. So think about you in your life. If someone only criticizes you, if someone only complains at you, are you going to listen to that person? Are you going to take to heart what they have to say? If you're honest with yourself, probably you're not going to take that to heart. You're most likely going to maybe nod your head and go along with it just until you can get away. Or maybe you'll start to argue and be bitter towards that person. But now let's imagine that somebody comes to you and they want to speak into your life. They want to help you change and you know that they are for you. You know that they're for you. I'm going to listen to that person. I remember a gentleman who corrected me one time, um, and I needed to be corrected. His his name is Charles Keene, and I had a chance to work closely with him for a couple of years. And um, I had I had done something that I ought not to have done. It wasn't it, it wasn't terribly immoral or undoctrinal. It was just unwise. I had spoken out of turn and 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 offered. I shouldn't have said what I said when I said it to whom I said it. But he had spent time with me. He had shown me that he cared for me. He demonstrated that he was a man of character. And I knew that if I needed something, he would do his best to help me. And when he sat me down and he told me that I had made a mistake, that I had overstepped, that I had gone in a direction I ought not to have gone, I knew from that moment, since he cared for me, that I need to listen to him. Because nobody likes to be corrected, and and nobody likes to be made to feel like they're in the wrong. But sometimes we need to be corrected. And if you have the influence with somebody, like this man had with me, you're going to hear what he has to say, and you're going to change for the better. I also know that there were times that people came to me, and they told me that something I was doing needed to be changed and needed to be done differently. And maybe they were right, maybe they were wrong, but they had no influence with me. And it wasn't a neutral thing. They had actually only ever come and complained or murmured or they they just never shown that they were for me. And honestly, I don't know how genuinely I process what it is that they had to say. Maybe they were right. Maybe they were wrong. But I did not hear anything from what they were saying. So how can you practically build up influence with the people that are in your life? How can you do that? I want you to try and catch people doing the right thing. Oftentimes, we catch people doing the wrong thing, don't we? And we're quick to point it out. But if you can make a three-to-one ratio, I think you're going to find yourself in a great place. For every negative thing or correcting thing or hard thing you need to say to somebody, I hope that you've put in at least three positive comments. And this isn't empty flattery. This isn't some sort of manipulation. This is genuine edifying to the building up of that person's faith. And so, for example, take this home into your, your life with your spouse if you're married or, or with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a fiancé. It's easy 
to find things that they're doing wrong, especially if you've been married a long time. I know if it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend and it's early on in that process, I remember with my uh, soon-to-be wife that we didn't see the flaws so quickly with one another because we were just so infatuated with each other. But we fell in love and we committed ourselves in that love to one another. We've got married. We've been together for going on 15 years at the time of recording this, almost 15 years. And we now know a lot of the uh, idiosyncrasies of one another. And it's easy to only see the fact that I do this or she does that and to only comment on that. And some marriages, that's all the communication that goes on is just the nitpicking at one another about, well, you left the toilet seat up or you left your socks on the floor or um, whatever it is. Or maybe it's something bigger than this. You never spend any time at home or you're, you're always on your phone and you're always doing this, you're always doing that. First of all, statements like you're always or you never, avoid those just to begin with. But if all that you ever do is criticize your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or even think about a coworker, employers, how do you speak to your employees? When was the last time you tried to find your employee doing something good so that you could compliment them on it? You know, you notice that they made it to work on time and they're ready to go compliment them on that. Say, hey, I appreciate your punctuality. I'm so glad you're doing that. You know, maybe you're um, working as a Sunday school teacher with people coming into your class and they make the effort to be there on time. Let them know that you're thankful that they took the effort to do that, especially if they have young children uh, or the weather is bad or just any old thing that happens to try and get in the way. And it happens often when you're trying to get to church to participate in ministry. Let them know that you appreciate it. Let them know you appreciate them taking the time to listen. Make sure that you are being consistent. You know, that corrupt communication that comes out of our mouth can completely undercut our influence. If they hear me talking bad about other people, and then I try and go and talk with them about the Lord, if I had been gossiping, and now I'm going to try and speak to them about the things of Christ, what influence do I have there? What influence do I have there? I see this oftentimes when a parent wants me as a pastor, or maybe you as a teacher or a youth leader or wherever God finds you today, they want you to speak to their child and try and help them with something difficult that's going on in their life. But when you speak to that child or you speak to that person, they don't hear you at all. Well, what we don't know is that the parents perhaps have been running the pastor down or somebody else down to their child or within their child's hearing, and all of a sudden, now they they don't listen to what we're saying. Because our authority, our place of of being able to help them is taken away. Or if somebody hears me using language I ought not use or speaking unkindly or gossiping, and then I turn around and speak with them, it's not going to be heard well. It's not going to be heard well. So when we are careful to remove that rotten, that corrupt communication, and we put in that edifying, you'll see all sorts of differences. If somebody does a particularly good job, we shouldn't be looking for what they did wrong. You can always find something that's wrong, but we should be looking for the things that they've done right. That is building up that reservoir of goodwill with that person. So when the time comes that we want them to do something different or to change, they will know that we are for them. And I found myself in this mindset many times that I've just decided if people come to to complain or to criticize me, and I don't feel like they're for me, they're probably not going to influence me to change. I'm probably not going to do anything different. But there are certain people 
that go out of their way to come and speak with me, to come and encourage me, to let me know if I preached a good message, uh, or, or at least that I was faithful, if, even if the message wasn't good. Or that they appreciated something that I did on their behalf. When those people come and they say, hey, I think that we need to take a closer look at something, or maybe you ought to try it this way, I listen to those people because I know they love me and that they're for me. So try and catch people doing something good. That's one thing I would say, is that if you can catch people doing something good and it's genuine, do that. I'll Just a quick note, empty flattery is easily detected. People will know whether or not you mean what it is you're saying to them. So don't try and just flatter people. That's not going to lead you anywhere. But recognize what people have done. You know, that's a pattern that we see oftentimes throughout the New Testament, especially in the parables that Jesus tells of the, the landowner, the noble, the, the person who owns the vineyard goes away and leaves responsibility or talents uh, with his workers, and he comes back to see what they've done, and there's usually a well-done, thou good and faithful servant, and there's reward involved for good work. And so that's, that's even Jesus saying, this is the model for how the kingdom works, that when good things have been done, words of praise follow, rewards follow. And so that's not some sort of cheap thing. That's actually a biblical pattern. And so I want to encourage you to do that. But stay away from the, the empty flattery. So try and catch people doing the right thing. I want you, at the beginning of your day, each day, another thing you can do is to intentionally try and build up people by leaving the little reminders in your pockets. <laughs> what, what does that look like? Well, one person told me this. He had um, some extra plastic little poker chips lying around. Now, I don't recommend that you gamble. I think you ought not do that. But if you were to find something small that you could keep in your pocket that wouldn't be terribly noticeable. But this man did this. He was a, a wonderful Christian businessman, and he would try and do this kind of thing around his company. And he would have them in his left pocket at the beginning of the day, three, four, five little chips, poker chips that he had, little plastic uh, discs. And he would try as a game and as a reminder to himself to build up a good habit that he would try to find somebody and say something good about them. And when he did that, he would move one of those little discs from one pocket to the other, from his left pocket to his right pocket. And the idea was, by the end of the day, he wanted to have all of them moved over from one pocket to the other. And I know that might seem a little strange to gamify it like that, but we do need prompts to remind us. So when you stick your hand in your pocket and you realize, "Uh uh-oh, I still got a little ways to go, that will be a reminder to prompt you to do that. Show gratitude. Oh, show gratitude. There's nothing like gratitude to make all of our lives better. Even if the other person isn't helped by gratitude, I am. I'm better when I'm grateful. I'm better when I'm thankful. And so if somebody does something and you can you can respond right in that moment and thank them when they do something, you can do that writing a card. And that goes a long way. I know it's easier to shoot out a text, and I do a lot of that myself. But you'll find that if you take the time to do something like a handwritten note and send that to somebody, that that has a little more impact, and they're going to know you took the time to recognize them. So when we're thinking about influence, when we're thinking about helping people change, I want you to think about, are my words building people up? Are they edifying them? If they are, as the Bible says, we'll minister grace to our hearers, and we will really help people change their lives and their eternities. The sad thing is 
that we can have all of this knowledge and all of this skill, but if we don't have influence, it's not going to go anywhere. It's going to spill all around. Like that illustration that I mentioned earlier on with that pitcher and you're trying to pour it in, we want to get every last drop of what God has given us into the lives of other people because that's how they're going to grow and change. That's what they need to build on this life and this journey. But if we don't have that funnel, if we don't have that influence, so much of what we could get them, they will not get. Even if it's the thing they need, they may not be able to receive it because we haven't done the groundwork. Ministry is people. It's not programs. It's not organizational charts. Ministry is people, and it's working with people. And no matter how good of a communicator we are, We need to create those relationships so that the gospel and edifying Bible teaching can pass through that to our hearers. And so thank you for listening today. I hope that you will go out there and try and catch somebody doing right. I hope that you'll maybe leave reminders in your pocket to move them from one to the other so that you can gamify this to help you start a good habit. And then I hope that you will practice gratitude as much as possible and let others know. And you will find that your influence goes way farther as you help change lives and change other people's eternities. Thanks for tuning in to Changing Lives, Changing Eternities. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to our podcast to catch our next episode. To hear even more of God's Word, we invite you to join us this Sunday either in person at Columbia Road Baptist Church, North Olmsted, Ohio, or online at columbiaroad.org slash live, YouTube, or through our mobile app. Make sure you like us on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Remember, let's be more than hearers. Let's be doers. Live out the truth of God's Word this week, and you'll change people's lives and their eternities. Until next time, thanks for listening and may God bless you.